0: The natural virtue of religion is the habit by which man offers worship to God. Our Christian faith is the perfection of the virtue of religion because we participate in the perfect act of worship by which Christ offers himself to the Father in the Holy Spirit on Calvary the fruits of which are shared doing what we're doing right now in the Mass. Now, sometimes we think that the opposite of religion is irreligion, when people don't worship God at all, not even according to man-made religions. But all of the virtues are a mean between two excesses, Irreligion is the defect of religion. Well that raises the question, can you have too much religion? An excess of religion? Is that even possible? Can that even be a thing? Now you may be surprised to hear this, but St. Thomas Aquinas answers yes. In the Summa Theologiae, he identifies superstition as a vice opposed to religion by way of excess, not because in the worship of God it does more than true religion, but because it offers divine worship to beings other than God or offers worship to God in an improper manner. Now, you know, we tend to think of superstition as things like tarot cards, right, or throwing salt over your shoulder, or not walking under ladders after you've seen a black cat because you think bad things are going to happen, right? Now I think that most people who call Prince of Peace their spiritual home are not prone to the defect of the virtue of religion that is irreligion, otherwise y'all wouldn't be here, or superstition of the variety that I just mentioned. But that doesn't mean that the vice of excess of religion is not present among us. And because it is a sin against the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me." I think it is extremely important to see where superstition can actually be a part of what we sometimes mistakenly think actually is the spiritual life. And then that raises the question, how is it that people who otherwise are serious Catholics actually committing this sin? and then oblivious to the fact that it is a sin. I wish I had an answer to that question. I do have some thoughts on the matter to share with you this morning. You know, we live in an age in which there is so much unbelief and so much uncertainty that many Christians, understandably, seek refuge in the traditional practices of our faith. And that's wonderful and amazing. It's a beautiful faith, with, which is a treasure trove that's inexhaustible of riches. But when and where can those practices actually become a hindrance to our faith? Is that even possible? Okay. A layman mimicking priestly functions. Nowadays, often we see people saying certain prayers and blessings over people that were always restricted to priests for good reason, devotees inventing false miracles and answers to prayer, people who believe in apparitions, visions, and revelations that serve no purpose I once heard of an apparition where there was a woman who said that the Blessed Mother appeared to her to tell her that she could go to Arby's because she had been good on her diet. Right? That's fantastic. That has nothing to do with the Catholic religion. Right? Now people may be in good faith or just ignorant about these things that invariably very unscrupulous charlatans can use to take advantage of them. And when the Pope and the bishops, who are the ones who as part of their pastoral office are tasked to eradicate such nonsense, are not paid attention to, you can get some pretty weird things. One of the most fascinating figures of the late Middle Ages was a very curious fellow named Joachim de Fiore, who was very inspired by Saint Francis of Assisi's desire to have a radical following of Jesus Christ in poverty. But he took it to such an extreme that he rather would have gone to the stake than accept the fact that his own personal twisting of saint francis's spirituality of poverty was really just a cloak for his own egomania. There's another kind of improper worship Improper worship which consists in expecting from certain pre-arranged circumstances a greater efficacy of the religious performance. For example, to expect a greater benefit from masses said before sunrise with a certain number of candles disposed in a certain order. Triduums, novenas, first Friday communions, first Saturday, though they seem to attach special importance to numbers and dates, are approved by the church because these dates and numbers are convenient for shaping and regulating excellent devotions. Okay. Now, what I've just read from is not me, it's a quote from the Catholic Encyclopedia in its article on superstition. Right? There's nothing magical about a number of times that a prayer is said or the fact that it's said at a certain time. That's not what these practices are getting at. This article goes on to talk about how in the Middle Ages, people who stood falsely accused of a crime they didn't commit would resort to holding one's hand in the fire for a determined length of time, or carrying a red-hot iron of one to three pounds in their hands a distance of nine steps long. Trusting that God would work a miracle rather than allow the innocent to perish. Now, the trial by fire superstition, it's easy for us to laugh at in our own rationalistic age. But there are Christians who use even prayer itself with the same intention and hoping for an analogous outcome for whatever it is that they're praying for. In the age of the internet, how do I put this? One day I'm going to give a sermon, and the entire sermon is going to be get off the internet. Period. Ed, I'm going to sit down. Okay? Don't get your spiritual formation and your theology from some rando who, you know, sits in his mother's basement and spends all day on Twitter. Just don't. That's all I have to say. In the age of the internet, right, they read about spiritual practices and devotions that are highly recommended for their spiritual value. But they don't stop to think about the context in which they came about or what the real point of them is. I'll give you an example. On December 10th, 1925, Our Lady appeared to Sister Lucia, one of the visionaries of Fatima. Lucia reported that the Blessed Mother said, you at least make sure to console me and announce that all those who for five months on the first Saturdays go to confession, receive communion, save five decades of the rosary and keep me company for 15 minutes meditating on the mysteries of the rosary with the purpose of making reparation to me, I promise to assist them at the hour of death with all the graces necessary for the salvation of their souls. Okay, so the point of this message is very simple. Saturday is a day that has been dedicated to Our Lady in a special way since the ninth century. Our Lady loves us and wants us to be close to her son. She knows it's a good thing for us to pray and to go to communion. And she offers us a spiritual discipline that can help us to do that well. And not only that, to die well so that we can live forever in God. But the point of this spiritual discipline, and in fact of all spiritual disciplines, is that they are a means to an end, to the end of union with God. This particular discipline is approved by the church and encouraged, but there are also lots of people who might benefit from other spiritual disciplines. And you know what? That's okay. There are many rooms in the Father's mansion. But when people start saying things like, well, you know, I didn't get to confession because the line was too long before Father had to say Mass, and the Mass was at 5 p.m. instead of 9 a.m. And Father celebrated the Mass of the Saint of the Day instead of the votive Mass of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. I mean, we get this all the time. It's not just missing the forest for the trees or missing the point of the devotion in the first place, it actually risks being a superstitious twisting of the real message. The first Saturday devotion is about Mama wants you to come to Jesus, right? Here's great ways to do that. But we can remember that when we misinterpret or we misalign these things, we forget that the devil can appear as an angel of light, okay? You know, to good Catholics, he's not gonna get you by tempting you to do something which is obviously the vice of irreligion. But he will get you by making you think that what you are doing is actually an act of religion a pious devotion or practice when it's being abused and misused in a superstitious manner. I have actually had well-educated, professional people who are serious Catholics who have completely lost their minds when they were convinced that I had somehow messed up their religion by not doing something the way that they thought it ought to be done. Now, this didn't happen in this parish, but I once had a woman announce that she was leaving the Catholic Church, she was done, she was out, because I had read the wrong name for the Mass intention inadvertently. I mean, God knew who the Mass was for. My intention was for the person for whom the Mass was supposed to be offered, and that intention was efficacious. But she somehow thought that her loved one was going to burn in purgatory longer because the mass she paid for wasn't done right. My friends, this is not the Catholic religion. This is superstition. I'm also noticing a creeping abuse of the sacramentals of the church and even the sacraments Now, the church offers all kinds of blessings according to formulas approved by the church. And if you've ever been around Prince of Peace for more than a weekend, you know, we love all these things, right? We do them all the time. We'll bless anything that moves. Even if it doesn't move, we'll come to it, right? It's great. It's fantastic. But, you know, a little bit goes a long way. And the little bit has to do with the mustard seed of faith not the amount of a physical object that has been blessed. By all means, sprinkle blessed salt around your house. But when you're coming to me every week to bless wheelbarrows of salt, what are you doing with all this? Did our Lord Jesus Christ come to preach the good news of... If you put 300 pounds of exercise salt around your property, these will pass you right on by and your children won't leave the faith? Or the truth will set you free for the sacraments. Something that I am also noticing, which is becoming more of a thing, you know, it used to be the case that people would wait until the absolute possible last minute to call a priest for the anointing of the sick, right? And even today, sometimes you get someone who's been dead for hours, and then they call the priest. I'm like, they're not of this world anymore. I can't do anything for this person, and they're shocked by this, right? Well, now we're going to the opposite extreme, right? For the anointing of the sick to be received validly in the Latin church, not the Eastern church, that's a whole different kettle of fish, right? The person has to be experiencing a grave illness. But now people are like, well, you know, we're all dying. We're all sick in some way. And, you know, I'm just not doing well. I'm just feeling kind of meh. And then they come to the priest for the anointing of the sick. And I said, well, you know, that's not quite exactly what this is for. And then they accuse priests of keeping them away from Jesus, and then they just shop around until they find a priest who will do it for them, and then he becomes the hero of the situation, when in reality they have just committed a sacrilege by performing a sacrament invalidly. You can't mess around with these things. Or people who come to confession without anything to confess, because I just want to receive the graces. Even though the grace proper to the sacrament of penance is consequent upon real contrition for a sin actually committed. Right. My friends, I'm not worried about those who call Prince of Peace their spiritual home drifting off aimlessly into irreligion or all of a sudden starting to worship Zeus or Hera. Okay. Maybe I should be. Maybe there's some things that I'm too blind to see. But I am very aware that the sin of superstition can corrupt the virtue of religion by its excesses in a lot of people whose hearts may be in the right place, but their intellect needs to be formed more accurately according to the teaching of the church and the sound spiritual tradition of Christianity. Catholic worship is not magic. Your priests are not shamans, and the traditional practices of devotion of our faith are not tools by which you bend God's will to yours by doing the right things in the right way. The way is Jesus Christ. And what is right was already prophesied in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God?